Welcome to Modern Marketeers, the Barclay Podcast. Whether it's business strategy and transformation, customer experience and design, or communications and activation, the focal point between the client and the agency is brand leadership. In traditional advertising agencies, this function is often referred to as account management or account service. Barclay, dare I say, has a definitive point of view of the role of brand leadership with our clients that goes well beyond what is expected of traditional account management. We thought it'd be appropriate for this episode of Modern Marketeers to share how this role is different at Barclay and how working with this integrated team leads to successfully solving business challenges for our clients. Today on Modern Marketeers, I have Stephanie Parker, Senior Vice President of Brand Leadership at Barclay. Hey, Steph. Hi, Sam. <laughs> See, it's perfect. I love this. Along with Chris Sina, Creative Director also at Barclay. Hey, Chris. Hey, Sam. How you doing? So let's let's get on with the show. So, Steph, just start off with... How would you define brand leadership? So I'll say that in 2018, the end of that year, when I got this opportunity to cast my vision for where this discipline was going, we were really intentional about rebranding it. And this took what you referenced in the intro around client service or account management. And really, we needed to wipe that slate clean and get to a bigger vision for what this discipline is. Mm -hmm. So we established some pivots from this to that. And one of my favorite ones is, you know, that we really focused on the brand and less on the clients as individual people. I felt like that was serving the wrong end. And we're really focused more on being proactive stewards of the brand, not just being, you know, what you used to think about as a middleman or someone who was facilitating assignments. Mm -hmm. And that's ultimately how we arrived at brand leadership. Well, actually, that's, that's interesting because I think for many, many years, Account management, account service has been thought of about the relationship with the individual with the client. So that this takes it to an entirely different level. It's really about serving the whole brand. And right. by that, our focus and what I want everyone inside the agency and at our client partners to expect is that we are acting as the experts in a brand's business, mm -hmm. thinking much more about how they make money, how their consumers have expectations of that brand, and it's not just on the marketing day-to-day. -day. Mm -hmm. You know, both of you have worked at different shops. You know, Chris, you've been at Barclay almost two years, I think. About that, yeah. And so how, how do you see brand leadership different than you've seen account management at other uh, at other agencies? Yeah, account management always has a bit of a, a mixed feeling when it comes to it. It, it feels like it's almost the prison guard of the of the of the situation. It's like you know, it's a maintenance <laughs> right. kind of thing, and so um, you know, the the best account management usually was the best account people. So there'd be like stars within there that that could figure out how to get great work out or get to the core interest or or solve the problem. I think great brand management is different because it's it's more than just account people. It's a philosophy of getting ahead of the account, and it, it can't brand leadership doesn't just happen at the agency. I think brand leadership is getting ahead of the account both inside the agency walls and inside the client walls. So because all accounts are made up of people and these people are creatures of habit and we're going to try to like find new habits that are more successful and constantly do that. So with 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 that thought process that that where you're looking at a more holistic point of view, you're looking at it inside the client, you're looking at the whole brand, what do you look for? What what characteristics, traits should we be looking for? And what should clients be looking for in their agency when it comes to the brand leadership position? I look for in recruiting accountability, adaptability, resilience. I think those are really my top three. Things are changing all the time. And if they're not changing, you're probably dying. And so that adaptability 
is huge. And we want people who are coming here because they believe in the power of what we can do, what we can do with creative ideas applied to that brand in so many different facets. And that's going to constantly be changing. So I'm looking for people who are, again, going to be sort of taken with that momentum and who are going to push the boundaries for all of us, both inside the agency and to Chris's point, inside our our clients' cultures. Mm-hmm. And I really think resilience. So I love the prison guard <laughs> example. Um, but, you know, brand leaders are on the front lines and simultaneously they're also the last lines of defense. And so the conversations we're having are not often easy ones. And it takes someone who's going to be able to bounce back from that and continue to be fueled to come again with yeah. new ideas and come again and try again, solve again. You know, I I, 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 I read every email that you send. God bless you. Yes. but <laughs> And I don't remember exactly when you sent this, but you did an email not all that long ago that was it was really well done. And it was about almost like trigger events, trigger phrases. And it was, it was, if you hear this, do this, you know, but it, it's this ongoing education mm-hmm. of, of how do you think about the client's business? You know, what are they saying? And, and there's no one that's teaching this, at least not that I've seen, you know, that it, this is not something you're going to learn in school. In fact, it's, it's so far from what you would ever learn in school. This is Real world business problem solving is what is what you're describing. Well, and you and I were actually talking about this earlier today. It's really about instincts. And I always tell the team, I can't teach instincts. I can't create them where they don't exist. But what we can do and we have a responsibility to do is to help hone those instincts. So the example you gave were phrases or happenings that should trigger your radar as a great brand leader to say something's coming that I need to get ahead of Mm -hmm. good, bad, or indifferent, but there's something I need to pay attention to. And it's that kind of coaching and honing that we're trying to really get deeper into our whole discipline. So, so in, in, you know, give me an example of, and maybe Chris, this is something you've seen also from a creative side where you saw a, a brand leader catch something that, would not have been caught or or you were pleasantly surprised that it was caught and it led to a better outcome for one of our clients. As we're frantically going through our mental library of things right now. Well, I'll say, I'll give you maybe a starter. You can build on this a little bit. One of the things we look for is to try and help soften the ground for an idea. I really think we're in service of the idea, the creative solutions. And our job is to help soften the ground for that. Our all, our other job is to help keep things sold. And I think a lot of times we hear client feedback and they'll get excited for a minute. They'll get excited about an idea and you'll see that glimmer in a client's eyes and they want to make this idea and then reality sets in and then they start worrying about, well, but so-and-so would never approve this or we don't have this and this to make it happen. And hopefully our job when we're doing it really well is to anticipate those things and solve for those things. And make sure we're keeping things solved so that they get to see the light of day. It's no fun when ideas don't get to see the light of day. Yeah, I can. I mean, there's so many ways to to break break this part down. I think kind of taking up the um, the the recruitment and the um, the idea of like the brand leadership thing and and everything there. I think um, uh, when you talk about instinct, um, to me, it's like let's be honest. We never know if everything's going to like be a perfect viral crazy success. 
if we did, we would just do it again and again and again, and everybody would make billions of dollars. So mm-hmm. we're placing bets based on our gut, on our experience, on data, and um, ideally we do it better than everybody else and everybody profits. And if we don't do it perfectly, then we learn from it and, and we adapt quicker than everybody else and we do things. So um, helping the client place smarter bets, because, I mean, they, they are stressed and they do, they, you know, in there, but you think about a strategist, they're placing a bet on an insight that we think that is a consumer behavior that we can tap into. And we do that really well because we, we just think about it more than a lot of people. Um, creatively, we're like, it's funny. We think it's great or it's insightful or it's interesting or it hasn't been done. Well, how can I prove that this is going to be awesome because it hasn't been done before? Right. But, I'm, I'm, but it's in my gut and, I, and people get excited and it's contagious. And you look at the um, brand leadership and they're, they're placing bets on like, like their trust with the client relationship, where they're going to invest the money, how they're going to go to the board to ask for more money. I mean, there's, there's a lot of like, like physical bets in there. Well, and that happens a lot. Uh, yeah. It I mean, really does happen a lot because so many times, you know, the, the scope that was originally set out because of what you said earlier, Steph, everything is changing so rapidly that, you know, the budget you've set aside may or may not be sufficient for, for what everybody now agrees is the right thing to do for the business. Yeah. The scope is here's, here's X million dollars that we're going to be right now. And the landscape's changing so fast. And it's like, this is the best plan with the information we have right now. And then, you know, we're not, this isn't, this isn't 30 years ago where it's like, we're just going to keep pounding this media by until, until we win. Now it's like, well, halfway through it, we may need to go through and change things. Um, And how are we listening? Yeah. So I think, I think going through like getting great work out into the world is Recruiting people that have a point of view that are passionate but not petty, that can can be agile, that can learn, that can instill trust. I think that not only gets work out in the world, but it's who you hire too. Well, and and Steph, you and I were talking actually on the drive here about um, sometimes we have clients where you know the scope set we're doing what we should be doing. But we're looking at it and the brand leadership team is looking at the client and they're saying this, this organization has more potential than they know they have. And sometimes our job is to go in and help them see a vision for the future that they're not looking at today. And, and that also, I think, is a, a huge role of the brand leadership team is to, is to occasionally pull back and go, are we, are we doing the best we can be doing? For this organization, for this you know client, you know, and and sometimes the client's open to that discussion, and sometimes they're not. But it's I think it's incumbent on us, you know, to, to have that yeah. conversation. And one of the things we're focusing on right now with all of our clients, both those longer term lead agency clients, as well as that exciting you know prospect of these more project based clients, who are oftentimes actually a lot more open to us and coming to Barkley with open-ended questions, our focus is in brain leadership, how do we help cast vision and articulate a three to five-year growth roadmap for these mm-hmm. brands? Not just what's the next six months or what's the next campaign, yeah. but how do we help have this broader vision for what their ultimate brand potential is? And then everything we're doing inside of it should be laddering up to that. And you're right. You've got to take a step back every once in a while and say, how are we doing in service of this bigger aspiration? You know, you said something a little bit ago that, that kind of relates to this. I want, I want to get both of your points of view on this. Uh, when you were talking about resilience, I'm sure in almost every business there has to be a certain level of resilience. But because we are often so far on the, on the leading edge of, you know, either business transformation or ideas that are going to help solve problems, 
our um, propensity for risk in those situations where we put ourselves out there and ask a bigger question or a tougher question, our chances of getting rejected are huge. So how do you build resilience? Okay, I know both of you well enough to know. <laughs> well, I do. I know both of you guys well enough to know uh, that you're, we you look are each other resilient. Yeah, no, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I'm dying to hear Stephanie's like, uh, point of view on this. Um. Part of that where we as brand leaders draw energy is by being in the trenches with the team. And uh, Chris and his team, no different. I think part of that is there's this sort of um, when you all believe in what you're doing and you've all had a part in what you're doing, it's it's in service of the idea and it's in service of the brand. And so you can't take everything personally. I think thick skin is really important. And sometimes it takes time and it takes getting knocked down to develop that thick skin. But that's been a huge part of developing resilience is if you believe in what you're doing and the people you're doing it with, it's a lot easier to get back up um, and try again. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think about the, believe me, like anybody that says, well, I can't speak for everybody, but for me, it's like mm-hmm. the highs are highs and the lows are lows. I mean, like, like I think all of us love it when something great happens and it hurts when we sweat something for a long time and uh, something in or, in or out of our control um, yeah, makes it go away. Um, I think, I think the thing of it is for me, I think there was a light that went on years ago when, um, when I was okay with having a bad meeting, you know? And I think if it's, but if it's a bad meeting for the right reasons, that's fine. You know, and there's times too where it's like, I believe in the work. I believe in the strategy going in with the information we have. But even if it's not, I don't want to compromise the work or have, I'm okay with having something dying rather than compromising who we are. So I'll mm-hmm. go in there and have a, a, a bad meeting because I know we're still going to do great work before it gets out the door. But I actually want to like peel away the onion layers to get into like the client's head a little bit. And I'm willing to like go like, we believe in this. We think this work is great. And if there's conversations that couldn't come out in the brief, couldn't come out in the relationship, couldn't come out at the dinner on the shoot, but they can come out with five ideas that I'm like, this is really, really great. And you realize, well, the thing that we're scared of is this and this, we want to talk to these people and we're like, wow, okay, now we're actually getting to the meat of it. It's like that kind of rejection is amazing rejection. Now it's hard to go back to a team again and again and again to go like, look, I know that everything you did all weekend and you didn't see your family and you worked on this stuff. It was sacrificial to get to this better thing. But trust me, like once we get to that core thing where we're solving that thing that people had, they, they had trouble talking about it and now mm-hmm. we can solve it. It's going to make for better work. It's going to make for a better relationship and a better trust. And it, it'll be, it'll be worth it. So that, that's the kind of thing that I think. And then I don't know about you, you, but the other thing too, is like, when I see something that like um, uh, we have a meeting where it goes so off the rails or it's so unexpected, which isn't very often, <laughs> I kind of chalk it up as like a badge of honor now. I'm like, that's never happened before. Uh-huh. And now it's just like in, in, in once I wrap my brain around it, it kind of gives me a new badge in my skill set to like go, OK, I've done that. And now I am better prepared for it in the future, too. Yeah. So we we've just been on a bit of a string from a new business perspective in the last six-ish weeks since the first of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, Steph, I thought you had a, a, a timely note the other day regarding onboarding. Um, and I, I think we all agree that things that start out poorly tend to end poorly. So it's really key to like onboard clients, you know, as best we can to start to your point, Chris, start building that trust so that when we're sitting there late at night or on a shoot or a dinner or whenever, and we finally start to understand, you know, an insight, you know, from the corporation or, or from a focus group or wherever, there's the trust to do that. 
How do we kick these off, Steph? What's what's the oh gosh, key Sam. to onboarding? I am such a nerd. <laughs> onboarding <laughs> is getting its moment in the sun, and I'm so excited about it. Um, so contrary to what you're reading in the trades and have been for a couple years, I don't believe that AOR is dead. So, yes, projects are coming up more and more on our roster, and they're making up more and more of our revenue, especially over the last 24 months. But brands ultimately are still looking for partners. And that is what Barclays onboarding approach is designed for. So we are looking to build a foundation for a long-term partnership. And that starts with setting expectations early for what that partnership is going to look like and setting expectations for what their Barclay experience is going to be. And I think we've all been there. I'm going to look at SEMA for a second. (laughs) We've all been there when you take on a brand new account or right now, knock on wood, take on several new accounts. And you are so charged to get immersed in the work that you might not come up for air for months, sometimes even years. And by then, bad habits and those little cracks are already there and reinforced. And our approach right now is, you know, making sure that we are claiming some of Barclays expertise and the fact that we have onboarded and unfortunately offboarded, but we have done this and we know what it takes to have a great successful relationship. We're now doing it the Barclay way. And I think in a really great way, not a braggadocious way, we're sort of reclaiming our point of view on what a great brand and a great relationship is. So that's all starting with what we're calling liftoff. And it's a two-day immersive session at Barclay with both the client team and the agency team. And I was in one last week. You might see a room full of 15 or 20 people for two days. And at some agencies, that might scare the pants off the profitability manager. (laughs) But here, it's really important because you're building that foundation. And I think you hit on it. Um, It really starts by focusing first on people and understanding each other. And we actually physically in these meetings co-design rules of engagement, which I think is huge. It just sets the context for how we want to engage with each other. And then we certainly allow ourselves the time to create a vision for that brand five years into the future, which I touched on. Really important to have that long-term vision we're all driving to. And finally, we kind of get back into the now at the end of that two-day session, and we really co-author a roadmap for the year. So we establish what success looks like together at 30, 60, 90 days so that we're all off and running after those two days, but we're doing it in the same direction. That's awesome. How how do you maintain that over an extended period of time? I mean, what's the what's the practice to do that? So a lot of it is forcing ourselves to get really honest upfront about what the brand's aspiration is or what its big, big, biggest possible future is. And we have a process at Barclay for uncovering that in tandem with our clients, but it's making sure we're putting down on paper and then coming back to it proactively. Mm -hmm. We have a practice now, a cadence really, that is getting together with our agency leadership and our client leadership quarterly. And it's um, setting a proactive time where we're all going to intentionally get together, not waiting until there's a problem, Mm -hmm. not waiting until there's friction you need to be dealing with. But we're sitting down and trying to get ahead of these conversations, constantly looking at how are we doing against those objectives? What do we need to be doing more of or less of in the future? And it's really being intentional with that time, I think, yeah. is the key. Yeah. And we've been, we've seen that work, you know, again and again. And it helps alignment and engagement on the client side, which is 
when those meetings go off the rails that Chris talked about. That, I mean, that was hypothetical. Right, it's never actually <laughs> happened never to us does happen. as I flip my hair. <laughs> but it really is because often there's not alignment internally. And so you're hearing from right. three or four key stakeholders or executives at the brand, and they're on different pages. So hopefully we're using this time and this um, proactive opportunity to get them aligned and stay mm-hmm. aligned. You know, you, you go ahead, Chris. I was just going to say just collective best interest. I think like we, we self-police like, and um, having, um, I mean, like the relationship I have with your team is is pretty brutally honest, and it's great. And there's times where it's like we get into it with each other, and um, we're not yelling, we're respectful, but we we call each other out on, you know, um, is the timeline serving the client or is it serving the better good? Are we trying to win awards? Are we trying to solve the business problem? And we just get 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 to really that kind of yeah. And you have yeah. to, and it's like yeah. it's the kind of stuff that I think if a client saw us is like, do you guys still like each other? No, we love each other. And it just, but when we shut the door and we get into it, we have to have these, like, we have to like have these really honest conversations about like, we're all shepherds of this brand well, and it, we all need to look out for this future. It's, it's, I think it's the role of a lead agency. Yeah. Also, you know, you talked about AOR versus project, you know, and, and it could go either way, but there are very few instances I believe right now where, you know, we are the only agency you know, yeah. for one of our clients, there's, there's always yeah. two or three. And, you know, if you're American Express, there's 27, you know, or, or whatever that number is. But, you know, to be the lead agency, you have a, a responsibility to, to ask those really tough questions and to, you know, help guide the brand. Well, and the key to me, and I'm so glad to hear Chris say it that way. The key to me is it's not personal when we're having those heated moments. It's about the work. It's about the brand. And if you have that always at the center and it's really brand leadership's job to make sure we keep it at the center. And if we keep going back to that, it's not personal. You can have disagreements because it's all in service of the right thing. So I hope we continue to have more yeah. of those, you know, heated battles because it's about pushing the work or pushing the ideas right. or solving for the right thing. Yeah. So we talk a lot about at Barclay about no one understands the modern consumer more so than we do at Barclay. You know, why is that? What, what does that mean to you two? And, what, and why, why do we believe we can hold that position? I, I, I literally threw it to me. I just threw it to Chris. Um, no, I think, um, you know, I've been at other other shops and they, they all have their, their niche and they have their thing they're leaning into. I think that um, I think that Barclay's really smart in and they're always picking a modern consumer and they they've done generation studies and they've done everything else. But it's the reality is I think Barclay can hold that niche just because, look, we we do great TV. We do a lot of great ideas. We do social stuff, all that kind of stuff. But I think there's a self-awareness that all those landscapes are going to constantly change again and again and again and, and again. what's going to hold it together. Yeah. Yeah. And so what, you know, and the reality is the consumer is going to change too. But if, if you're focusing on the consumer, the consumer will tell you what landscapes you should be investing in. So it just became a, just a smarter, more efficient way to do it. And I think that the reason Barkley can do it is there's a mentality here that that Barclay has like, Barclay's going to solve it, but they don't always think, admit that they have the answer. Right. And I think that's the difference. A lot of agencies come in and like, we know it's going to be, this is the future. This is what you got to do. And this is how you win. And part, they might be right for that second, or they might be, you know, posturing. Barclay says, we don't really know what the future holds. So we're going to go talk to the people who do. And that gives us an edge. And I think there's a little bit of uh, humbleness that is just part of the people that are there that sets that up. I love that. It reminds me of that line, ignorance is powerful when it's applied at the right time. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, and I'll build on that point. I think modern consumer expertise, it's not something we just decided to do one day. It's something we've been 
investing in for nine years. It's very true to the core of what we're doing. We've committed to it and we continue to commit to it. And I mean, money, resources, time, partnerships with Jeffries, Accenture, Forrester. It's something we've put a stake in the ground and we're going to live up to it. And I think it takes that amount of being intentional to make sure that it's an expertise that isn't something you can go recreate at another agency. Yeah. So is that an expectation? Is that is that a client expectation of Barclay and, and the brand leadership team that, that they understand and the I want modern consumer be. and why? Yeah. And we've always been focused at Barclay about designing, let's call it our capabilities for what that brand needs from a partner. We've always been thinking about what the brand needs. And just like we expect modern brands to be designing for what their modern consumers need. So it's always trying to think two steps out um, and not just about what the immediate task at hand is. Yeah. Right right now, there are probably like the 10 big, biggest media behavioral trends on, in the next five years are happening at 18-year-olds and like that are leaving high school. And the, and, and they're, the, the beginnings of those seeds are, are starting. Mm-hmm. We don't know what they are yet. Mm-hmm. So it's like, but, but when they happen, it's going to be all over the news. It's going to be everything. Everybody's going to be doing it. We're all going to be addicted to it too. Um, and, and then right. as soon as that comes in, there'll be another one. And so there's just always this wave coming in of the next trend. And the only way you'll ever have a chance of like authentically being a part of it is to just be looking out at the horizon for it. And, and I think that helps us a lot. You know, Chris, um, you probably have you know, one of the best views from a creative perspective of what the brand leadership team can do. What If, if you had to describe your expectations of the brand leadership team, what would they be? I think they spread calm and they're mature. And I think they're, they're, they're not, I mean, I want to say they're all for the work, but I don't think they're just for the work. I think a brand leadership team is, um, completely independent entities that, that they were on Barclay side, they're on the client side, they're on the work side. They have to be above all of it. And I think that when they're at their best for me, it's like they're being creative beyond the work. They're the person that, um, they're not helping me sell the idea that I want to sell. They're helping me find the white space in a brand that that creatively we couldn't get to. They're not like they're not the tagline on a spot. They're the person that helps convince a client that they can use more humor. They're you know they're the the place that says that you know we we should be shifting these dollars here or having these philosophy shifts or they're they're the I mean they're the kind of the high level puppet master that keeps everything going. But they. Again, they, they can't be completely Barkley self-serving. And so they are the obstacle remover and the catalyst. And then they, if, if, if I had to sum them up in like a metaphor, they're the invisible fingerprint on great work that gets out in the world. You know, like they don't that. get credit for it, yeah. but it would not have made it out without them. I love that. The invisible fingerprint? Yes. I love it. I'm going to use it. <laughs> Next time a client says... Tell me about your brand leadership team. They're the invisible fingerprint. Yeah, I like and, yeah. It, and it can be as simple. It's everything from like, guys, if you're going to sell this idea. I mean, I sit down with like your team a lot. And it's like, OK, this is great. It's not going to sell right now. How do we how do we set this up beforehand? What do we show? How do we get in there? Do you call the client first? And then it's the same thing, too, where it's like, you know what? I think that that we've been doing this campaign for a year and a half. But from what I'm hearing from the client this is the internal problems that they have. This mm-hmm. is the problem they've got in the world. We need to solve this other problem too. It's that it's it's that it's that powerful whisperer that keeps us like into the sweet spot before anything festers. Well, and that was part of our vision setting for the team when we went towards this brand leadership discipline. 
And it boiled down to a really simple mantra that we are here to create the conditions for brave ideas and brave ideas. They're going to change the trajectory of someone's business for the better. And that means, to your point, sometimes softening the ground and pre-selling and knowing when this is a, uh, I say, dangerous idea in a really positive way. And it knows how to keep it sold and to keep nurturing that and bringing it to life and giving them proof that it's going to happen and proof that it's going to work before they've committed to it. It's all of those things, but really ultimately creating those conditions both internally and externally for these ideas that we have a lot of respect for. So so why do you think some other agencies fall short in the um, the area of brand leadership or account or management? I, I want to hear both because, you know, I've, I've been doing this for 30 plus years. You know, you guys, have, this is this this is not your first rodeo or your second rodeo. I saw a line the other day that I loved. It was like, why am I supposed to know everything by my second rodeo? Mm-hmm. You know, but <laughs> why do you think and this this is this so many agencies fall into a order taker role? Mm-hmm. You know, with, you know, account management, account service, you know, I don't think they're thinking of it as brand leadership. Why? So for the record, I think most agencies recognize this and they appreciate the vision for where we're going, but they don't know how to take the first step. And I'm going to give a quick shout out to my national 4A's account management committee that I'm part of and those peers of mine from, you know, really well-respected agencies around the country Inside that organization, I'm driving this same conversation within the industry at a really high level. And it's getting a lot of acceptance and it's getting a lot of momentum. And I think we're just sort of on that new edge of trying to prove it out. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure that we as an industry, we're not trying to prove it out in contract negotiations. I want to make sure it's felt in the work. And again, it's tough sometimes when you're the invisible fingerprint to always prove that value. But as much as we can, I want to be quantifying it. And ultimately, it's about changing the conversation with these brands and with our clients to be more about outcomes and less about cost, less about hours and FTEs Mm -hmm. and more about outcomes and outputs from the relationship. So I think we're starting to see that happen. And I think more and more are trying to make that happen. But sometimes it's tough to know exactly where to start. Yeah, I think I think it's I think there's a lot of layers. And I think if we knew the answer, if everybody knew the answer, they'd all have awesome brand leadership. But I I think that I think in a lot of agencies, um, there's some amazing brand leaders that are out there at other places. Um, They can be creatives that go off to start their own agency. They can be people within the agency. There's individuals there. I think where Barkley kind of wins on is that it's a philosophy that we're actively trying to educate. Because I think there's a gap between a really great senior creative or really great senior account person and a brand leader because there's like you've you've competed really well or you've got the client to buy this stuff and now we're going to put you in this role of brand leadership and you're like your job's not to compete anymore your job is to unify and so it's it's and the people that are really really great at it suck at it for the first year and a half and then they they learn how to do it and navigate it and then and then they become brand leaders so there's no active program you know um so i think that's that's part of the the problem that you see in there so i think it's like the fact that like um, having an active eye on it and actually trying to train for it and not letting just individuals that are hungry figure out the skill set on their own mm-hmm. yeah. is, is yeah. where we, we tend to nurture ourselves up that way. So what is it about Barkley, guys? Again, you've, you've been there, well, Chris, a little bit longer. Steph, you've been there significantly longer than I have. What is it about Barkley that led us here that, that, that said this has got to be a little bit different than how 
other agencies are doing or how traditional agencies have leveraged brand leadership? Well, Barclays is an incredibly entrepreneurial culture. And that's largely because we're independent and we're employee owned. That's part of it. But it breeds this spirit of always trying to best yourself. And I, I give our executive team a lot of credit for the fact that if you put a vision with a plan in front of that team, you will get support. I'm the product of that over almost 10 years. And that's been me coming in as, you know, the low lady on the totem pole and being able to to work up to this great opportunity. Um, but I think we also don't get so distracted by looking left and right at what's happening around us at other agencies. We're not worried about keeping up with what they're doing. We're really trying to figure out what makes us That's great yeah. and be exceptional at it. And we're not wasting time. We don't have time to waste um, in order to do that. Everything is moving so fast and changing so rapidly that we're trying to focus on how we just compete with ourselves. I also think that, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think that's way more articulate than than anything I could I could say, but but I'll try. Uh, but um, I think too that the because we're um, in the Midwest and in Kansas City, I mean, I, I'm a lot of you get a lot of people here that come here because they've they've done the rat race, they've done the New Yorks, the LAs, the Chicagos, and all that stuff, and they they sucked up that experience and the good and the bad, and and it hardened a lot of people, and they got to work with you know prolific individuals, and then they wanted to have balance and everything else. But I think there's a little bit of this like. Because we don't have a network holding company and a network name, I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but there's a little bit of like underdog mentality where it's like, we can do this better than you and we don't need the overhead and we don't need all the stuff. And the people that aspire to that, it's not the the Crispin Porter, it is the Crispin Porter rebels, but they don't want to be at Crispin. They want to be at a place that's a little <laughs> bit more balanced. And they, and maybe the they used to be at Crispin. Well, there's a lot of that, but, <laughs> but there's this idea that like, you know, the people there, like they want to build something that's not been pre-created and, you know, you know, produced across a network. They want to make it their own thing. And if you get a bunch of people that are willing to move their families, invest in an agency, go to the middle of the country and do that, they want it to win. And so I think that, that when you start looking at the groundwork of what's going on, the modern consumer is where they win. And, you know, Barclay wasn't always about the modern consumer. I think there were some key in people in there that were tapping into that space. Right. They thought it was interesting. And then it started drawing other people in because they believed it. Right. Right. And they, they learned how they learned how to speak about it in a way that's completely relevant to the client. Yeah. You know, about the fact that their consumers are always changing, yeah. you know, and, and that's, and there's nothing, there's, there's nothing static about our industry or and certainly about, you know, how Barkley approaches the industry, which brings me to my next question, you know, Steph, for you, what are, what are going to be the biggest challenges as, as brand leadership at Barkley continues to evolve? What are the, what are they going to be the, uh, roadblocks, tripwires, you know, stumbling areas? I think one of the things I'm working on right now, and I will come back to you, we'll do another podcast when I have the <laughs> answers, but how do I help everyone on our team have an MBA-like education and training course? It's not something that is always taught in advertising school or communication school or Journalism, which is, I came out of a great journalism program, and lucky for me, I had. Is this uh, a plug for Mizzou? This is, I didn't say it, you did, but <laughs> plug for for the J School. Um, how do we help everyone have that level of marketing and business and economics education? So I'm working on that. I'm working into what are key partnerships we can take on. 
what are some smart ways to kind of shortcut that MBA and maybe MBA for certain candidates. And I think the second piece, the second challenge is really measurement. It's inside the conversation in our industry, everywhere you turn, everybody's looking for impact and attribution. And I always tell our team, half of our job is getting credit for the work we do. The other half certainly is doing it. But half of the job is just getting credit for it. And that's a push for us to quantify goals up front and quantify the impact and the success wherever we can. So that is, I don't know if I look at that so much as a challenge, but just an imperative. Chris, anything to add? Yeah, I'll just, like, it's interesting. I love the idea of the MBA and we come to places or even if somebody just came there for two years to steal our Kung Fu and then mm-hmm. go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But so, but the, the thing that I think about is like, how do you create a program that is, in, if it's in its truest form and it's the modern consumer, it should be obsolete in a year or two. Right. And mm-hmm. so like not the not the not the philosophy, right. but but the things that we're teaching may not be valid in a year because the modern consumer is going to always be adapting. They're going to adapt faster than the program Maybe in six months. I mean, yeah. yeah. So. So how do you get that. how do you get an MBA in learning to constantly get an MBA? You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's got to be this that. idea of like it's um, being able to assess the landscape, staying literate, knowing that the stuff that you just studied is valuable now, but then mm-hmm. it might not be valuable. And so it's like. You, your your habit is a double edged sword. Like it, it's it's a way to like kind of look at what's going around and constantly assess. But if you start to lean into any one trick too much, you're, you're going to fall behind. So yeah. that that I think is makes the program kind of unique. Well, so then oftentimes uh, it's as important to know what you should quit doing as it is to know what you should be doing. So as we think about brand leadership mm-hmm. at Barclay, what do you think you we should stop doing? That would make us better. I think we've got to, this might be controversial, but we've got to stop figuring all of this out when we're just having contract discussions. And I think we've got to start really proving the value in the work. And again, that goes back to getting credit sometimes for the the value of the work. But I think it's important to have just conversations like this Mm -hmm. and conversations. I'm so glad, Sam, you didn't just invite me, that you invited Chris too. This isn't Um, a conversation you can just have in a vacuum. And Mm -hmm. I always like to say that brand leaders are sort of nothing without their integrated partners. That sounded so cheesy. Rewind. But we're nothing without the people around (laughs) us that are really experts in what they are experts in. And it takes this whole team and all these different perspectives to get to these ideas that are going to actually change that trajectory for a brand. And um, so we're sort of nothing in isolation. And I love that we're not treating it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, so recommendations to clients, what would you say to a client so that they get the most out of their uh, brand leadership experience? Easy. Tell me your problem. Don't come to us with the solution. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I think I think transparency is huge, and just let me know the landscape. And then, and then the other thing, it's like, um, what are you willing to stake? What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. What do you? What, why are you at this company? Like, what do you? Why did you come here? What do you? What do you want to do? What do you want to get to make a name? What for gets you excited? Yeah, and and because I think it's it's like if you need to, there's so many agencies that just can status quo it up, 
And and the reality is, it's like if we're trying to bring you amazing ideas all the time, and you're just trying to get a one percent increase so you can make a mortgage, then then that's a different kind of account. And it's not like we can't staff for that and do those kind of things. But then let's have a long term conversation about like why are you doing that? What's your positioning? Just help us understand. So how we can. so I'm curious. How many times in your in both of your careers have you have you earned the the um, not respect but the trust? of a client where you can say to them, what are you doing here? Like, why are you really here? Because that I think is a huge, huge question because if they can't answer that. Changes your outlook. Well, it changes everything. It's like, well, then we're here to grow your company, you know, and, and we want them to be there to do the same thing. You know, I don't know that they always are. Sometimes I think it's, it's just a job. You know, and it's, it's, but that's a great question. If we can get to that point where we can always ask that question. I started one time, it's a bit of a tangent, but there was a quarterly review I was going to have with my boss. And there was this client who was a bit of a holdout. He kind of literally and figuratively kept me and the agency at an arm's distance. Mm-hmm. And I made my goal that quarter to get a hug from that client <laughs> because I knew if I got that, it meant I was in right. and it was a symbol of something and it happened. And I was so excited. I remember I was on a production and I called my boss and said, I got the hug. And he was like, all right, now go back to work and figure out what are we going to do next for this brand and this client? And I think that's such a little thing, but when you know you're in, you're in. And when clients start calling brand leaders to get their take on something, to run, hey, I'm going to be having my review with my boss next week. Here are the three things I'm really proud of that I'm going to bring up. Is there anything you think I should add? Or I'm going to be giving a presentation to my department. Do you think you can help me create the outline for it? When you start getting those kinds of questions, that's when you can say you've kind of broken through and and you're in that trusted advisor, a term that gets thrown around loosely. Um, but a bit, that's when a you're bit in. too loosely, but yeah. 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 Chris, what have you seen from the creative side on that? Um, well, the best, the most, the biggest compliment I've ever had is if you ever leave an agency and a client calls you or they leave an agency, their client and they call you later mm-hmm. and they're just yeah. asking you like, I've had, I've had clients call me and ask about other agencies and they're like, Hey, we're pitching these three agencies. What do you think about them? <laughs> and that's, that's huge. Right. Um, and well, they, they will go, Hey, can you guys pitch us? And we're like, well, we can't because of the conflict. But then that's or amazing. Yeah. Or, or, or like, oh, you play the game where it's like, well, let me talk to you. I think, I think when you get to that stage and then um, when they can start talking to you about like um, the realities, the, 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 the not so pretty kind of stuff. It's like, look, this, the situation I'm in right now doesn't make a ton of sense. I have these people that I need to like show some things. This, these are some random variables that are in there and I need your help just thinking through this and, and polishing up. And, and I needed to turn this into a problem into something that makes people happy and excited and it may not be a commercial or a spot, but there's, um, it's the kind of thing where like, if you're going to help on this stuff that nobody sees with a client and puts them at ease, then when you come in and try to help on something that everybody's going to see, they know that you're not just in there like self-serving. Yeah. Um, but it takes time. And, it, and, and I think too, that it also, it's, it's all people. And so there might mm-hmm. be somebody that loves Stephanie that finds me obnoxious as hell. And so that's, that's the kind of thing where it's like, you know what? I'm going to sit back a little bit. You find out what we need to do. And then my job will be behind the scenes. And I think there's just that like, and it's, it's hard because all of us, especially in the creative department, we all want to be loved and we all want to do great things and, and everything else. But the reality is it's like, there's times where it's like, you know what? 
getting to the best solution might mean leaning on a different relationship or leaning on these things or finding out who's comfortable to talk to who. Um, and so, I don't know. That was a random but I answer. But. build on that point. I think a great brand leader is not someone who is a buffer between the creative team or the integrated team and the client. They should actually be putting the right people from those areas of expertise in front of the client. And was it you last week? We had the onboarding session with Planet Fitness, one of our new clients, and they said in the room full of 20 people, we really appreciate, um, in that case, the brand leader, Julie, we were having a discussion about casting, I think it was. And they said, Julie, it was seven o'clock, you know, at night and you went and got the creative director. Is it you? Oh, it was Doug and I. Yeah, Doug they and you Doug, on the phone. Yeah. And I think that meant so much to the client to solve it in real time and not play a game of telephone, but to really get you guys in the conversation. And I love that she got a shout out for making that judgment call. Our job is not to shelter or buffer. Our right. our job is to get the right people to solve the right problems. Yeah, the, the best is when you get the text from Julie. It's like, I know you're eating with your family right now. <laughs> and uh, and I don't do this very often. Eli and, yeah. And it's like, and, and, uh, and I need your help. And, um, and it's, it's hard sometimes to put things away and you don't, you got to like try to balance that. But what's interesting is, I mean, it was a very quick call, but uh, they were challenging something that, that we brought them and they just, but they didn't come off as hard or anything. They were just like, look, we just, we're having a little trouble understanding why your recommendation differs from our select. And can you walk us through it? And that's a wonderful call. And so a lot of times you just be like, yep, we made this call. And that's hard because it's like, Ugh. but then we got through and talked through it and, um, and they go, that makes total sense. We agree with you. And that call, like, like as good as it was for them, I think for Doug and I, just knowing that that our voice had some weight and then it was actually like they valued our opinion. Oh, now That's like they, they was really smart on their part because now that we're going to think through everything like 10 times as much because because right. it's like they're like, if you can bring us a smart rationale and, you, and, and, and we can align on it, we can defend it internally and we'll go with it. And so they actually just got us to think immensely harder about their business because we know that, that our thoughts have more weight. Right. So what areas, last, last question of the day, uh, what areas do you want to excel in and account? account I'd see, I almost did it again. It's not that again. word. It's okay. It's a brand leadership. What areas do you want to excel in in brand leadership in this the next a, 12 months? Is this a personal year. thing or is this like, this like as a category? Is me? <laughs> My own yeah, personal goal? It's, no. it's Steph's own personal goal. I mean, this is this where your performance evaluation. I see our focus this year at Berkeley. I think um, hopefully we're helping nudge the industry in this direction too, but First and foremost, it's really expanding into that more holistic client experience. And I think I want to be careful about how I may have alluded to it earlier. Great service is still table stakes. Mm -hmm. It's still critically important. And you know it when it's broken. Um, Maybe sometimes you don't get credit for it when it's going really well. But I want to make sure that everything from our process, our tools, our people facilitate a really valuable and at the same time frictionless experience for our clients. And I think um, if service is table stakes, I want to be the best at it because why not? Um, I think the second thing is just helping integrate around the agency internally. And that means we need to be bringing more data, more transparency, more advocacy to our partners inside the agency to help their teams to success, whatever that means. Um, helping them, you know, get the right staffing, helping them create the right teams, helping make sure they have the right priorities. But our job is to really help them be successful. And the third one, 
I've got to go back to modern consumer expertise. And that's definitely an all agency priority. But I think for us to be able to put that into practice and make sure we're using it in application because it's great talking about it and learning about it, but it's really powerful when we're putting it into practice. That's awesome. Chris, any, any final thoughts on that? Uh, she's like, she closes the court case and like, Doesn't I just want to like, yeah. either put the guy in jail yeah. or set him free. Um, <laughs> I think, I think for me, uh, I think the, like, I get really, really like process and like the specific thing. I think there's, um, you know, I bet you every agency on earth could say that there's the best ideas they've done never went out into the world, you know? And there's the, there's the, like if every, if every creative had their portfolio of best ideas never made, there would just be can line winners like covering <laughs> the countryside. Is there an award show for that? The the not made it outies. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. We I'm should sure there probably that. is. All right, um, Seema, we're going to do that. It's a very depressing event. Um, no, it's to be celebrated. Yeah, yeah they, the um, the awards don't show up. Um, <laughs> they're broken. <laughs> yeah, they're cracked. No, uh, they're covered in tears. <laughs> no, um, I think the for me it's the it's the digging into the the idea of when and where to take those bets and how to like. I mean, you look at um, the industry, right? There's the legacy of media, of TV and print, and outdoor and banners, and and then paid social and stuff like that. And those processes are pretty well defined. I think we can, you know, push those with clients. And then there's this mentality that we're always doing the other. There's this other. We're always creating up that that whatever it could be. And then I think that the brand leadership can play a huge part in making the other get out into the world. Because I think there's not there's never a deadline on the other. There's never a budget on the other. And there's never results on the other because they've never been done before. But we do a lot of thinking about the other stuff. And the so other, I think that yeah. is the territory that figuring out how to get the other out, you know, and, and they, they're the ideas that are the crazy stuff and the innovation stuff and, um, and building up using the data and the insight and the trust, because all the people that have the power to get those kind of things out there are the people that aren't deeply literate into seeing those things. They don't understand right. the potential of them as much. They don't have proven results. And um, I think brands that can get that stuff out there are going to have such an edge and as an agency, we have to be really, really smart about when we push for those things. Because if we push in the wrong way, it kills the category. And if we can do something that actually gets some results, it could be contagious and everybody does it. So I think that there's just a sea of ideas that have never been created that we want to get out. And I think it's going to be based on our relationships. And it ties to the modern consumer. Yeah, because, I mean, they're going to, they're going to, the brands that do those first, modern consumers are going to fall in love with first. Yeah. Guys, thank you for... Uh, for doing this today. Thank, yeah, you. thank you. This was thank fun. You Let's do it fun. again. We will. Yeah, this is great. With we wine will do it again. Next time. With wine. Yes. Sure. Modern Marketeers with Wine. We'll do you it. You got yourself a whole new podcast. My, my guests today have been Steph Parker, Senior Vice President, Brand Leadership at Barclay, and Chris Sima, Creative Director at Barclay. Guys, thank you. Join us again for Modern Marketeers, the yeah. Barclay Podcast.